Amen. What a beautiful song indeed. Indeed, Singing of uh, how magnificent and glorious and great our Heavenly Father is. John, I started with five pages of notes up here. I'm only seeing three. No, I'm kidding. It's not your lucky day. I got all five. Uh, <laughs> so this past uh, year and a half, uh, the, the term virus has really been a focal point uh, for the world. So many uh, of us, myself included, are much more aware of how viruses work and how we can protect ourselves uh, from uh, various viruses. And of course, the main virus the world has focused on is the coronavirus. We can just say the virus and everybody that you come into contact knows exactly what you are talking about with any prior context. And uh, this virus has wreaked havoc on the world and has seriously, seriously altered life for many, many people. Due to the coronavirus and the consequences of it, some people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Some people uh, missed out on vacations, uh, time with family. Some, a lot of people struggled with mental health and with the virus and having to quarantine um, themselves. And, and yet, even more, uh, some, even within uh, our own church family, some have lost a loved one uh, due to the coronavirus. And uh, the fact of the matter is that the coronavirus is... Lethal. It, it, it is lethal. It kills people. And there have been many different studies on how lethal the coronavirus really is. And, and these studies vary uh, quite a bit in number. But to keep it simple, we'll just say uh, that the survival rate of COVID-19 is about 99%. You take about 1% of people in the world, and, and that, that's, a, that's a lot of deaths. And that's a number. It becomes more personal when a mother or a daughter or a wife or a husband, whomever it may be, a family member, church family member, uh, passes away. And so it has wreaked havoc. Um, but uh, this morning, we, we, we need to bring to light, uh, quite frankly, a much more deadly virus. As I have some breaking news for you all uh, today. We, we should get the news stations over here. I report to you live today that there is a virus out there that if we don't take precautions against it, it has a 0% survival rate. A virus where if we just let it take over our lives, then it will for sure kill you in the end. It has a 0% survival rate if we don't take any precautions against it. And this virus, uh, not really necessarily a virus, but it's called sin. Sin is an issue where if we don't take any precautions against this issue of sin, it has a 0% survival rate. It will kill you in the end if you don't take this issue of sin seriously. And so once upon a time, God dwelled in perfect harmony with his beloved creation and the masterpiece of his creation, mankind. And there was Adam and Eve. And one day, mankind, led by the infamous woman, uh, disobeyed God and uh, introduced sin into the world. I'm going to get in trouble later on. Um, uh, but with sin came the corruption of the world. And uh, if we don't take care of this issue of sin, uh, then we are brought to light. We are made aware that we will die in the lake of fire, where there is a 0% survival rate. However, 
If we do take this issue of sin seriously, then we're informed through God's scripture that we can partake in God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And this really is, if you were to summarize the whole Bible, you can summarize it into this little bit. There there was perfect harmony in the beginning, and then sin and corruption came to the world and corrupted everybody, but we have a message of salvation. There is a way out. There is a cure to this deadly, deadly virus of sin because sin brought death into the world. Before Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, there was no death in this world. But that was one of the many curses of sin, that death was introduced to this world. And so sin is the antagonist of the entire Bible. And sin brings a lot of different issues to our lives. When we partake in sin, which by the way, all of us have partaken in sin, every single uh, human being except uh, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then if we partake in this sin, then before God, we become one, we become a debtor to God. We become a condemned criminal to God. We become an enemy of God. We become a slave to God. We become defiled and unholy. We become dead and we become a poor stranger. And this all, all of these effects, all of these consequences result from this one issue of sin. And each and every one of us, we need saved from all of these different aspects of sin and the consequences of it. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in in, in these next handful of weeks, as today we're going to be starting a new series entitled Seven Doctrines of Salvation. And this idea uh, is taken uh, from uh, Alva Huffer's book, Systematic uh, Theology. Many of you guys uh, might be familiar with Alva Huffer. He's actually a part of uh, the Church of God, uh, the group of churches that we are affiliated with. Um, And actually for uh, a set amount of time, uh, he went to church with Jamie uh, down in Guthrie Grove, uh, down in South Carolina, where Kayla Elwell, I was about to say Tolls. Kayla Elwell uh, now is a former member here at this church. Um, and he wrote an orderly book about uh, the, the different theologies, the, the different points of doctrines that we hold as a church. And if anyone is interested in getting their hands on a copy of this book, come see me after the service, and it would be my joy uh, to get you a copy of Systematic Theology by Alva Huffer. But as we talk about these these seven different uh, doctrines of salvation, uh, it can be a bit confusing because salvation is one of those words that we use all the time within the church setting, uh, but seldom or never uh, we use it outside of the church uh, setting. So what exactly does salvation mean? That's the first question that we have to answer. We're talking about seven doctrines or seven teachings of salvation. What does salvation really mean? Well, I like uh, Merriam-Webster's first definition of the word salvation. It reads, deliverance from the power and effects of sin. So salvation, in a nutshell, is deliverance from this issue of sin. That is salvation, where we are being delivered, we are being saved from this issue of sin. 
And one day we are going to be permanently saved from this issue of sin and all the effects of sin eternally in in a never-ending age in God's coming kingdom. And that's the hope that we all hold so dearly in our lives that one day Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of God, he's going to come back down from heaven to earth to establish God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world, including the antagonist of sin, is going to be made right in God's kingdom. And I cannot wait for that day when this issue of sin is going to be defeated once and for all. But it's imperative uh, for us to understand that we can have this salvation right now. We can be delivered from this issue of sin right now as we speak here in the year of 2021. And the truth of the matter is that many of us have already made that decision. Many of us have already made the decision that, hey, I see this big issue, this antagonist of sin. And many of us have made that decision that we are going to be delivered from the issue of sin and the consequences and the effects of sin as well. We can be saved. Many of us have been saved. The Bible clear, makes this extremely clear throughout uh, the scriptures. In Luke chapter 7, verse 50, Jesus says, Your faith has saved you. Romans 8, 24, In this hope we were saved. Romans 10, 10, With the mouth one confesses and is saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, A verse that many of you guys may be familiar with, For by grace you have been saved. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. And finally, in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, reads, he saved us. And so the Bible makes it very clear. They use, they use this word save, salvation, uh, similar uh, definitions there. It's already happened. It's happened to us. Many of us have already been saved. We have already received salvation from this issue of sin. We can ask, well, how in the world is this possible? Well, God offered salvation to those who want it by laying down his one and only perfect son, Jesus Christ. As Jesus, he paid the ultimate price. Jesus has delivered salvation to us if we want it. And through his sacrifice on the cross, he delivered us from sin itself and all the effects and consequences of sin as well. All we have to do is to have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved from this issue of sin, then all you got to do is put your faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, and it must be a living faith. James talks about how a dead faith, a faith without works, it's useless. It's dead. You, you can't do anything uh, with a dead faith. You must have a living and active faith. And so we must live like we have been saved from sin. If you aren't acting like that, if you aren't living like you've been delivered from this issue of sin, then it's quite possible that your faith is dead. And with a dead faith, you cannot accept the free gift of eternal life that's made possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a lot of people in the church worldwide, they don't live like they have been saved from the issue of sin and it drives me crazy. 
And more importantly, it's not about me. More importantly, it drives God crazy. God is sorrowed. He, he's filled with sorrow when he sees these people living like they have not been saved from this issue of sin. Now, we know that, yeah, we're, we're not going to conquer the, the enemy of death until the return of Jesus. But Alva Huffer, in his book, Systematic Theology and the Seven Doctrines of Salvation, he talks about seven ways in which we can be saved from this issue of sin. And this first issue, this first consequence of sin that we're going to talk about today is forgiveness or, or, or being saved. It's forgiveness. That's the first doctrine of salvation is forgiveness. Forgiveness is probably the aspect of salvation that most people think of that they are most familiar with. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul states that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That means if you commit a sin in your life, then you deserve death. Sorry to tell you, but you deserve death. Nothing more and nothing less. But we all deserve death. That, that is the payment. That is the wages of the sin that we all have partaken in, in, in our lives. And so we all deserve death. We are all indebted to God. We owe God a debt, and that debt is our life. It's our, it's our breath. It's our heartbeat. We owe that to God because we have sinned, and God said that is the payment of that sin. So we are in debt. We are all, originally, we are debtors to God. We owe God our life. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jamie and I, uh, we went over uh, to Subway uh, after church uh, to grab some food. We were on our way to Columbus uh, for the day, and so we just wanted something fast. And so uh, Jamie stayed in the car with Ezra as Ezra was asleep. As Sundays, uh, they seem uh, to wear him out. It's like he thinks he's the one who's getting up to deliver a message. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but he was worn out asleep in, in the car. Um, and so I went inside and, and placed our order at Subway. And Jamie and I, we both uh, got a sub. And so we're going through the line there. And we're, we're saying what we want on our subs. And then comes the end where we have to settle this payment between I, the consumer, and the, the business subway, the sellers, the people giving me these things. And so I am indebted at that moment. I have a sub, I have two subs in my hand and I owe them a payment somewhere between 10 and $15. And so as they hand me my food behind the corner, something very peculiar happens. They hand me my food and all of a sudden they just walk away. They just walk away, and I'm sitting there with two subs that I paid $0 for, and I'm a bit confused. I'm thinking, I don't want to be a thief, and so I call out to, to, to the kitchen where the employees are. It's like, hey, hey, I haven't paid for my meal yet. I don't want to be a thief. I don't want to run out of here and, and, and get in trouble, um, and so I made it very clear, hey, I did not pay for my meal, but then the employees then came and told me that your payment has been paid in advance. A family in front of you paid for your meal. I was indebted, but a family before me paid my debt. That family actually happens to be sitting here, the Gallagher family. Uh, we happened to run into the Gallaghers at Subway a couple weeks ago, and they paid for our meal in advance. 
I was indebted. I owed that $10 to $15, whatever it was. I owed that to Subway, but someone paid that in advance for each and every, or not for each and every one, just Jamie and I. I'm sorry, not you guys. Just Jamie and I. Oh, we, we, they only paid our meals uh, in advance. If you go to Subway today, your meal's probably not going to be paid in advance. I'm sorry. I hope it is. I hope you are blessed uh, like Jamie and I. But many of us, we, we have been in similar shoes before. You might have walked into a restaurant or you might have gone through a drive-thru and you get ready to pay for your food, uh, the food, um, in which you are about to eat or you already have eaten, and the waitress or waiter or whoever it is at the counter, they say, actually, someone paid it for you in advance. Or some of us might be on the other end. Some of us may, uh, when we're going through a drive-thru, we pay the family behind us. We pay for their meal in advance. And this is very similar, just on a much grander, infinite scale similar to the concept that Jesus paid our price of death in advance. As Jesus died and suffered on that cross, when Jesus, he was sinless. Jesus was the one human being who did not deserve to die on that cross. That should have been you, that should have been me hanging on that cross. But the one man, the son of God, who shouldn't have been on that cross, he was on that cross because he paid your payment in advance. He paid my payment in advance so that we could be forgiven of our sins. God has offered salvation to you today. We can have that salvation today if we haven't already attained it for ourselves because Jesus already paid the price for you about 2,000 years ago. It's beautiful. It's grace. It's undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. We deserve death. I deserve death. Nothing more, nothing less. But my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, he paid that penalty. He paid that debt for me. And the good news is Jesus paid the penalty. Jesus paid the debt for you as well in advance about 2,000 years ago. And because of this, because of this payment that Jesus offered about 2,000 years ago, you have forgiveness. You have forgiveness. For God has washed away your sins, if you put your faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. King David paints a beautiful picture of the forgiveness that we have. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Psalm, Psalm 103. King David, arguably uh, my favorite uh, hero of our faith, was a man who uh, committed some vile, vile sins in his life. And here, King David, he paints a beautiful picture of the forgiveness that you and I and King David share. In Psalm 103, verse 1, it reads, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul, the Lord who forgives, not some, 
Not a majority, not nearly all, but all of your iniquities, who forgives all of the sin in your life. Not, not even missing one sin in your life forgives all of your iniquity. If we jump down to verse 10 in that same psalm, Psalm 103, 10, uh, 103 verse 10 reads, uh, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And so God doesn't repay us according to our sin. Because we, we have that sin and that payment is death. Well, God doesn't repay us according to our sin. Instead, as far as the east is from the west, God has forgiven your sins. Now, why? Why in the world would God forgive your sins? Well, David answers that. Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for you. What a beautiful picture of the forgiveness that we have been given, that we can receive, that many of us have already received. Many of us sitting here today in this sanctuary have already been forgiven for their sins. And when we read through the rest of scriptures, many different authors of our faith, authors of the scripture, they paint this beautiful picture of the forgiveness that we have. And so, Ben, if you have that next slide there, we see that, number one, our sins are washed away. Acts twenty two sixteen. your sins are washed away. We see that our sins are made white as snow. We see that our sins are cast into the depths of the sea where no human eye has ever seen. We see that our sins are blotted out. They are erased. We see that our sins are sought for and they are not found by God. We see that our sins, they are cast behind God's back. And probably my favorite one, our sins are remembered no more by God. The almighty creator of the heavens and the earth no longer remembers your sin. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of forgiveness demonstrated time and time and time again throughout our scriptures. And so we are debtors to God, or a lot of us aren't debtors to God anymore. Originally, we were all debtors to God, but Jesus paid that price. Jesus delivered us. He delivered salvation to us, which means he delivered us from the issue and effects of sin. And that first issue of sin is that we are debtors, and God solved that by forgiving your sins. And so it does not matter what you have done in your past. If you have a living and active faith in God and his son Jesus, which there's a lot of layers to that, quite complex. If you have that living and active faith in God and his son Jesus, then you have been forgiven of your sins. That forgiveness has already taken place. Anything from lying to stealing to adultery to lust to drunkenness 
and even some of the worst sins that we think of like rape and murder. God has forgiven it all. He has forgiven it all. Your most vile sin in your life has been washed away. Your deepest secrets in your life has been cast into the depths of the sea. Your greatest guilt that you hold on to has been blotted out by God, and God has cast that behind his back, and God remembers that no longer because God has forgiven you because you have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, we have to live like we have been forgiveness. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing, but some of us, we hold on to this guilt. We hold on to the remnants of the effects of the sin that we have committed in our past, and I'm here to tell you that you have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. God has forgiven you because God laid your, his precious son, Jesus, down on behalf of you. And so this forgiveness is just the first of many ways in which we are saved from sin and the consequences of it. Because sin doesn't just bring the issue that we deserve death. We're going to learn in the coming weeks that sin brings a ton of issues into our lives. And let me tell you, you can be delivered from this issue of sin. That salvation has been offered to you. We have been saved. For as by grace you have been saved through faith. And so we can be comforted and we can live with this feeling of freedom. You know, sometimes it's like when we hear this message of forgiveness, it's a weight that has been lifted off of our shoulders to know that God no longer remembers it. That he has washed your sins as white as snow. And all we have to do is to have a living and active faith in Jesus. And that is how we accept the free gift of salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Father God, uh, just thank you for the beautiful gift of forgiveness. Father, we thank you that you have washed us white as snow, that you have blotted out our transgressions, that you no longer remember the sins that we have committed in the past. And so, Father, I pray that everyone sitting in this room can realize and understand the forgiveness that we have access to today, that you have washed us and made us pure as snow. And so, Father, I pray that we live like that, that we live that, like we have freedom, that we have forgiveness from you. We thank you for this free gift of life, and we thank you for the steep price that was paid to make that possible. We love you so much, Father, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray.